Welcome to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. We are a collective whose mission is to bring hope and dignity through dance. We believe art shapes culture and want to steward our gifts with wisdom and excellence to point people to Jesus. From hosting festivals and live performances to producing multimedia content to serving internationally, we seek to foster community among dance artists. We'd love to meet you and connect on our social media platforms at Bluebird Uncaged. But until then, enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. Today is our second episode with Kirsten Kemp. And if you haven't listened to her story, I highly recommend that. Go back, hear about her journey as a dancer. She trained at the Houston Ballet, danced professionally with Oklahoma City Ballet, and now she is a mindset coach. So today, I just um, will hear a lot about what mindset coaching is, and um, also the biblical perspective of it. Kirsten loves Jesus. Um, But I want to be very, very clear before we start that if you are looking into hiring a mindset coach, that you are very, I mean, very extremely careful about who they are and what they believe. Because this is a relatively new industry and it is very, very much connected to new age practices and can be used for things that are not biblical and can be used for things that um, focus our, really lead us to putting ourself on the throne of our hearts instead of putting God on the throne of our hearts. So that um, is just a clarification about mindset coaching. I I want to be very clear on that, that mindset coaching can be used for good and it can also be used for evil. So be discerning and seek the Lord about um, hiring a mindset coach if you think that it's something that might help you and do your research. Make sure your coach comes from a biblical worldview and believes things um, that are holds scripture to a high authority and holds God as our ultimate authority, not ourselves. So you'll hear more about that from Kirsten in the episode, but I just want to be very, very clear about that before we start. So enjoy. Um, So today we're going to go a little bit more in depth into mindset coaching and what Mm -hmm. it is and what the biblical approach to it is as well. So um, I know it's, it's a relatively new industry, isn't it? Oh yes. Yeah. Pretty, pretty recent. Um, (laughs) It's uh, something that not a lot of people do, but there are definitely a growing number. And I think there's a growing awareness these days or demand as well for um, not just mental health support, but for support in actually optimizing your mindset to help you accomplish your goals. Yeah. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your coaching business that you have now and the different services that you offer. Yeah. So as a mindset coach for ballet dancers, I specifically help dancers to um, through a process of asking questions. Like I want to make it clear that's really the job of a coach. I want to just take a moment to 
um, distinguish it from mentorship and also from therapy. So, cause there can be some confusion about that. I love a good compare contrast. It really helps. So um, how coaching is different from mentorship is that a mentor would is a person who has accomplished results that you are interested in accomplishing as well, at least similar results. And a mentor will give you advice based off of what they know worked in their journey. So it's really more of a figure that gives you advice and tells you maybe you should try this. A coach really is a person who asks questions Mm -hmm. to help the client gain awareness of maybe where, in the example of mindset coaching, where are their behavioral patterns coming from? What perspective is informing their behaviors and their habits? What are their beliefs? Um, And how is their mindset really um, determining their current results in life? And how can it be changed very strategically in order to align with the different results they want, you know, cause anyone is going to hire a coach, not cause they're already happy with their results, but um, they want, they want different results. So um, how coaching is different than therapy is that a therapist's job is usually as well. They're going to be handling client situations where there is more of a desire to process and to heal. It's a lot more oriented towards healing from the past or also Um, seeking perpetual treatment for um, diagnosable mental health issues, um, such as uh, severe depression, severe anxiety, maybe you're experiencing panic attacks, uh, PTSD, things like this, um, things that can be diagnosed. So a coach is much more um, suited towards helping a client get from a functional mental state to an optimal mental state. A therapist is kind of coming from that goal of getting a client from a sub, well, a dysfunctional state of mind to a functional state of mind and being. So what I'm doing as a mindset coach is I'm helping dancers really assess what is their current perspective, their beliefs, their sense of identity, um, and what specifically needs to change in those things in order for them to start to feel confident, to start to be able to perform well consistently, to focus in class. You know, so many dancers feel as if they can't learn combinations quickly, but it's actually because their focus is very fractured. So um, I really help dancers understand um, how to shift their mindset in order to attain their optimum level of performance and confidence. Cool. So tell us like really what is the importance of mindset coaching for dancers and maybe what can if there are any teachers listening how can teachers incorporate maybe this into their studio atmosphere or their curriculum or just simple things that we can do as teachers you know that help us Mm -hmm. oh I love that question (laughs) so um what's really important about mindset coaching I think specifically for performers is that actually other um athletic industries have gotten this really right, which is um, with, for example, football players, it's pretty common or at least accepted that it's helpful to go to a sports psychologist Mm -hmm. to help with um, maybe insecurities, fears, any sort of mental and behavioral um, patterns that are inhibiting that person's ability to perform at their best level as an athlete. 
So dancers obviously are incredibly talented athletes um, and our performance, not only are what we're trying to do, it's really, really difficult. It's also mentally extremely challenging. There are so many sensitive things that we deal with mentally as performers. For example, we all know that insecurities are really, really common within the ballet world. We're wearing uh, revealing clothing in front of a mirror for hours and hours and hours a day. And also to kind of weave in another answer to your, your other question about what teachers can do. A very common method of teaching is, it's archaic, but it still very much exists, is in order to help the students achieve good technique, these teachers, most teachers say in their language what they don't want. Don't sickle your foot. Mm -hmm. Don't turn in your legs. Don't fall off point. And, you know, I don't really attach bad intentions with that. Not at all. It's just something that's so subconscious. We just do it without thinking. (laughs) Don't, 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 don't do this. Don't do this. You did this wrong. You know, we call these suggestions corrections or correcting faults. If you ask any dancer, um, what are your weaknesses? They'll talk about them like their flaws, their (laughs) problems. And so we really dramatize objective feedback. (laughs) What I love to do as a teacher, and I encourage other teachers to do as well, is start speaking what you do want. Mm -hmm. Shape your foot. Ankle forward, toes back. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be uh, float down off of your shoe, whatever it is. Start stating it positively, and it might feel weird at first, (laughs) like kind of clunky. It's awkward to try to switch (laughs) your language like that. But once it becomes a habit, it's incredible how well the students receive what you're saying Mm -hmm. because you're actually putting positive imagery in their head as well without they don't even know it so cool so anyway um it's super important as well for dancers to get individual support for the mental side of their art if they want to perform at their personal best level um i don't think i really have to explain that too much more because most dancers know (laughs) cool i mean yeah i think it's i mean mental like health is definitely as important as physical health as well. Oh like yeah. I know that me, you know, other stuff going on in my life definitely affected my performance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just shifting gears a little bit. So um, you love Jesus and you're a Jesus follower. And I feel like a lot of times in the church, when people start talking about mindset coaching or anything like, I mean, anything like of the subjects, people are like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Thinking, like, and a lot of it, can go in the wrong direction. There are a lot of age practices that are also associated with different types of mindset coaching as Mm -hmm. well. But I mean, I know biblically, like God commands us to renew our minds. And and he says that like, we have the mind of Christ. Um, But so what is the biblical view of mindset coaching? And as a Jesus follower, how um, does that intersect with our faith and what God is doing in our lives? I'm so grateful that we get to talk about this because for so long in this job, I felt like the only one who has experienced (laughs) great inner tension with this. Like as, as a Christian, one of my top values as a person is integrity and living in the truth. And so for me, though, I felt very called to doing this work. Most of my peers in this industry are promoting things like law of attraction. They talk about things like your inner divinity, but they do not know the true divine. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, they misallocate our source of power to actually being ourselves and making ourselves the object of our worship and our lives rather than the one true King, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know? And so um, since I have seen so many examples of this in the mindset coaching industry, personally, I've gotten really torn up about the ethics of my job so many times. I love sharing this because I mean, another value of mine is honesty. Yes. <laughs> and I want any, especially a Christian client who works with me to know how deeply I care about aligning my job with my Christian values. Mm -hmm. So what I see to be like the biblical precedent for something like mindset coaching is, and you said it, God tells us to renew our minds, to put on the new man every day. Um, he tells us to focus on this, whatever, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is true. Um, uh, and he actually promotes in the Bible focusing on whatever is good. That's positive thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, though I absolutely promote positive thinking because I do think it is in alignment with acting as if we serve a God who is almighty. You know, when we talk about how I can't do this, I can't do that. It's like, hey, do you know the God that you serve and that he's got your back and that there's an actual verse that says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me, you know? And so I do think that we need to be like, in order to be good stewards of our lives, we need to focus on what is good. It also puts us in a mindset of praise and trust in God. You know, I see the abundance mindset as not something I use to, attract worldly things into my life, but rather to put my mind on what is true. And that truth is that when I place my prayers and petitions in front of the Lord, that he hears me, he knows exactly what I need and he gives me more than enough. Mm -hmm. And that could come in many different ways. I'm not saying it's always in riches, like right. in money and things like that. <laughs> hey, sometimes it is. <laughs> I, I love what Dave Ramsey says. I'm better than I'm feeling better than I deserve. You know, right. I feel that way so many times. And so anyway, where I think we need to be super careful and where the mindset coaching industry gets very new age is when, for example, you might see a coach who you see the, the kind of results they're selling to potential clients and it looks like you might, you know, they might say financial freedom, but honestly, you can tell through their posts on Instagram, what they're really selling is a life free of any problems in which they can totally be self-reliant and have any worldly thing they want. Don't you want that too? And that kind of coaching, Rebecca, it sells. I can't tell you how much more money I would make as a person <laughs> if I told them, hey, work with me. You can make any amount of money you want. And by the way, whatever my outraging, outrageous coaching fees are, um, <laughs> because I use law of attraction, the universe will honor your boldness and you'll, it'll 10 X your investment. So go ahead, pay me $15,000 for what I do. I can make so much money off of people doing that, but I don't because that is the boundary to me. So I would say, if you're looking at other coaches, if you're interested in pursuing mindset coaching, there are even some Christian coaches, you know, they claim to be Christian. They, they will espouse things like, uh, 
you know, really living in your power, which I do believe that God has given us authority to, you know, subdue the earth and to be fruitful, multiply all these things we have as being made in the image of God, we have power and authority, but we live under the Lordship and authority of Jesus Christ. Right. And I think a lot of people associate the word freedom with having no God, but yourself. And I call that bondage. That sounds terrible. (laughs) So like be really careful if a coach is selling um, this lifestyle that honestly is full of idolatry, like worshiping themselves, worshiping the perfect body they have, worshiping all the money they have, like all that stuff is things that will fade. Yeah. We're, we're going to leave it behind. But to me, I'm so passionate about helping dancers, even if they're not Christian, honestly, when I'm working with them, I don't tell them this, but the questions I'm asking really lead to insight that frees them from needing to be perfect, to know that they are loved, Mm -hmm. to know that they are worthy, to bring them into an identity, a sense of identity that is free from idolatry, um, that isn't dependent on what they look like or what someone else says of them. And yeah, you don't even need to be a Christian to appreciate how amazing that feels. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you take the focus? I mean, I feel like a lot of it is like, I mean, ballet in particular is very self-focused. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then how do you, just practically speaking, what are some things that maybe we can do in the class as we're taking class or um, even as we're performing where we can take the focus off of ourselves yeah. and put it onto God? Um, and also like, like for me, an example, I, I always, I'm just like, thank you God so much for just the opportunity to be yeah. on or the opportunity to move my body um, and that kind of thing. What, what other ways can we do that? Um, that will also help, I guess, reinforce our identity in Christ um, yeah. and how that we, we can't, you know, prove our, we don't have to prove our worth. I think that that's a huge, yeah. that was something huge for me in my journey that mm-hmm. I always felt like I had to prove myself and, and everything, I felt like I was following the formula. I was doing every single thing that my teacher said I needed to improve on, but the results that I wanted were not happening. Mm. And so like through that, in, in one way, I learned that if doesn't always equal then, like, yeah. <laughs> I love to be like, oh, if I do this, then this will happen. If I get better at contemporary like I was told then I'm gonna get the contract mm-hmm. no not necessarily um I mean that just shows that God's sovereignty but also um God has a bigger plan than yeah. we could ever imagine but in that time I was still finding a lot of worth in myself and trying to prove mm-hmm. myself um and be like oh you said I couldn't do this but yes I can right um, and, I, and I just I mean it took God being like hey 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 um, who's on the king of your heart yeah. <laughs> like, or on the throne of your heart. And so like, how can dancers think about that um, either in class practically, but also realizing that our, our worth and our identity and even just our motivation doesn't have to come from us. We don't have to conjure up, be like, Oh, I got to go to ballet today. Like I got to <laughs> psych myself yeah. to go to class. <laughs> right. Great question. <laughs> Honestly, so good for me what I, I constantly ask myself is similar to you. What are you trying to prove and to who? What are you trying to prove? Um, I also really recommend to dancers to pay attention to their fears. So if you're really scared 
about others' opinions of you, especially your classmates. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself why and just explore that, you know? Why do you care so much about them seeing you in a specific way? Now, I want to normalize that in a way it's important to care about what people think. I don't promote the extreme of don't care what people think. No, no, you should. I think that's part of being a respectful person. Well, God also calls us to be examples and to represent him well. So yes, seek to represent God well. then. Right. So I think you you should want to be a person of honor. Yeah. You know, and of course we want to be technically excellent in what we do. Um, I really like, um, the, the idea that mastery is a way to serve God. So yes, care about your technical excellence and do care about what people think. But with this caveat, other people's opinions shouldn't be the, you know, the opinions that tell you who you are. So instead I would highly recommend studying scripture and uh, talking to people within your church community about identity in Christ, because honestly, I am 27 now. And I think when I was 26 is when I really started studying into this, like, what the heck does it mean to have your identity in Christ? I, th- I feel like we have similar minds, Rebecca, in, in the fact that ambiguity is just not helpful. No. <laughs> so when I hear a lot of my favorite term is Jesus juking. Have you heard of this? It's like, hey, just just know and find your identity in Christ, man. You know, like just just trust him. Just just give it to God, dude. I'm like, what? How? So I'm really um, passionate about the practicals, and so for me, having my identity in Christ has come from an understanding of what it means biblically to be placed in the position of being a son or a daughter, which in biblical culture was like, think of yourself as being in that position of honor in a family where you have an inheritance, where you are treasured, where you carry on the name and the image of your family, where your family is proud to show you off. Like you are their prized possession. Um, You are worth sacrificing for all these things, like when I started to understand, especially the Jewish roots of our faith, our Judeo-Christian values and faith, that really helped me to understand that ambiguous phrase of like what it means to have my value and my identity in Christ. And also knowing that having our identity in Christ means that when you read about Jesus in the New Testament, he is God incarnate. He is um, the physical representation of what we should be if we weren't sinning all the time, (laughs) you know, and of course Jesus has different authority than us. So I've heard a mentor say what Jesus is, you are. And of course he meant that within the context of understanding we are not God. We do not have the authority of God. We are not the son of God. However, um, we are children of God. And so whatever characteristics Jesus shows when you become one with Christ, when you repent, get baptized and walk in newness with Jesus, that anytime you act out of alignment with Jesus's identity, that means you're still acting in the old man. And Jesus invites us every single day 
to renew our minds and to act in alignment with our identity that is really mimicking Jesus, you know, <laughs> caring for others, loving God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I think of what that means in the ballet context is that in ballet, I need to watch that I'm first, though I'm focusing on what I'm doing with, with my body to make sure it's technically excellent. My why and the how of my behaviors and my intentions and what is important to me is rooted in my Christianity. So for me, what is more important to me when I see a mistake in the mirror is instead of getting really uptight, really mad at myself and degrading myself, I say, no, you know, I take that thought captive. I'm a child of the one true King, you know, (laughs) Jesus loves me no less for my sickled foot. So this is not a question of my value. Now I can take that practical feedback and change the shape of my foot. No big deal. But especially if I start to get shut down, if I get really mad at myself, I get snippy. What kind of a friend am I to the people in that studio? Where is my light? Is it shining? Probably not. (laughs) So I'd say with the things that seem selfish in ballet, you know, focusing on your technique, it can be very objective. Mm -hmm. Focus on the practical things and actions you can take to be technically excellent, but emotionally and in your heart, have that with Jesus first. Yeah. I think a big part of this too is, um, like dancers believe a lot of lies. Oh my gosh. Yes. Being fed at you from your teachers, like intentionally or unintentionally, but also just lies of that the world tells you and the, the standards of the industry even tell you. And yeah. I think like what you're saying is look, um, remind yourself of the truth and mm-hmm. remind yourself of, you know, what God says and who he says that you are. Yeah. Um, And so I think like also like scripture commands us to walk in truth. And so when we step into the studio, I feel like we have that opportunity every single time that we dance. Am I dancing in the truth or am I dancing in the lies that the world is telling me? And it's not to just, I I think like what I'm hearing you say, you're not saying to just be like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to listen to that. But, you know, yes, there are practical applications. Um, but, but also, you know, kind of detaching the practicality of it from the emotion of it. Exactly. Like, like we also, you know, we're, we're like, oh man, I fell out of my turn. That means, you know, I'm a terrible dancer. Like, no, right. that maybe you have some physics things to work out. <laughs> right. Or I am a failure. That's an identity statement. Like, <laughs> Hey, those are frightened words. That's not who you are. You're not a failure. You did fall out of your turn. Okay. <laughs> like what do you do about it? True. I'm not telling you positive thinking, by the way, is not being delusional. Right. <laughs> it's an example of positive thinking in, in a moment where you're frustrated about your performance is saying, okay, the positive aspect is I know I can make it better mm-hmm. in looking at the resources you do have to change it. Yeah. It's not saying, you know what, that was actually a great pirouette and I totally didn't fall out of it. And the next one is going to be great. That's not what it is. <laughs> and definitely as well, like recognize that the enemy will constantly be at your thoughts in class. 
you know, that we make ourselves so vulnerable to that in ballet. And so when you're getting thoughts in your head, like, um, you're never going to make it. You're never going to be good enough. You're just terrible. All these things, um, recognize the enemy's agenda in that because when you get so fixated on not being those things, the journey really becomes about you and feeding your ego and bolstering it again, rather than saying, you know, there was a part of it that's true, but that's not the whole truth. So let's take the objective part. And then with the rest, recognize, no, of course, of course, um, Satan wants you to be insecure. Of course, Satan wants you to think that you're going to finally be happy and never have any problems anymore when you get that professional contract or when you're as skinny as the next girl. But that is not salvation, my friends. In fact, that's just bondage to another goal that it has a false reward at the end. Right. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten. One last thing. What can dancers do today to um, just walk in the truth and dance in the truth? Yes. So first, know the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot say this enough because... I used to think as a young dancer that I knew the truth, but I was not actually studying my Bible every day. And part of that process of renewing your mind is knowing the truth that you are aligning yourself with. I don't assume that, you know, don't assume that, you know, enough, you know, if we really love God and we really want to be in a relationship with him, you want to learn more about that person you're in relationship with. You want to know that person. You want to spend time with that person. And in that, you're also going to learn more about who you are. And when you seep your mind in the truth every morning and every evening and throughout the whole day in prayer, in your thoughts, in your actions, um, just pointing your mind towards, towards God and the things of God, then you will actually be so much more equipped to face the moments when lies come through your head. Mm-hmm. You'll be prepared to take those thoughts captive. Cause you know, taking thoughts captive, isn't just saying, Hey, that's not true, but you don't know why it's not true. Right. You know, it's not true that I'm a terrible person, that I'm a failure. Well, why, what does God say about you? If you don't know that it's going to be really hard to equip yourself in moments where you might be getting really anxious, really sad, really down on yourself. So definitely unoriginal advice, but I think that, that, that is good (laughs) is, Hey, make sure you're really understanding the truth so that then you can apply it in ballet class. And secondarily, um, from a mindset perspective, I'm really passionate about encouraging dancers to be mindful of their language. One of the techniques I've trained in is neuro-linguistic programming, which by the way, a bunch of new age people are into that. Um, so, but I want you to know, I've studied it thoroughly. It is not inherently new age, I can tell you that. But one of the things I love about it is there's a focus on um, how the language you use and internalize impacts how you see the world and how you behave in it. So for example, if you are looking in the mirror and you notice some things that you want to make better about your dancing, instead of saying things like, I'm not good at that, that wasn't good, 
this was wrong, this was bad. I mean, I just want to say, as an example, the subconscious mind does not process negative. So if I say, don't think of a tree, you have to think of a tree to understand what I said. So if you're always thinking bad, wrong, worse side, I, I hate this arabesque, whatever it is, you're pointing your mind towards imagery of the very thing that you don't want. Mm-hmm. So rather point your mind through your language on the things that you do want, that you do think is true. So this could be very, very much as simple as starting class with an intention, setting a goal for what you want to accomplish in that class. And throughout the class, um, direct your mind by saying things like planting that thought of, of course I can, before you do a difficult petite allegro. And if you don't, that's okay. No big deal. You get to try again. Um, Saying, to yourself, like I, I shared that example of shape your foot rather than, oh, bad, it was sickled, you know? <laughs> it seems so simple, but shifting your language out of, oh, I should do this, I can't do that, to I can, let me try this, you know? Sure, I will do that. It actually puts your mind in um, uh, a mindset of possibility and opportunity, which will make you much more receptive to learning and resilient to getting frustrated with your mistakes so that then you can actually continue to improve. So mm-hmm. don't ask, underestimate the power of language. It's really awesome. Cool. Thanks so much. So to close out, just tell us where we can find you um, and um, services that you offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully you guys check her out like give Kirsten a call. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Thank you. So you can, thanks. You can find me at, uh, on Instagram at twin talks ballet. It's still my old username. Cause my twin sister used to be on the YouTube channel with us. And I have a YouTube channel also twin talks ballet, where I give a ton of mindset related advice and just career advice for dancers. Um, and then as far as my professional services, you can visit my website, kirstenkemp.com. Um, <laughs> And there you can schedule a free consultation after you can also learn more about what mindset coaching is, how it works, how I work individually with dancers and schedule a free call where you and I can talk about what you'd like help with, what are some things you've been struggling with, what you want to achieve. And I'll describe more about how we would work together. We'll make a plan of action. And if we feel like we're a good fit for working together, we'll talk about next steps. Yay. Thank you so much, Kirsten. This has been so much fun. Thank you for listening to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. For more information about Bluebird Uncaged, including tickets for upcoming performances, joining our online community, or how you can get involved in future Bluebird projects, visit our website at bluebirduncaged.com.